Come on, isn't it encouraging to hear how, even, even how God's come through in somebody else's life sometimes. And it encourages me to know, hey, he can come through. No matter what my situation is, he's going to come through for me too. Amen? Come on, amen? Amen. Well, you guys are going to have to bear with me today because my throat is rough. I'm just telling you right now. So if it gets a little scratchy or if I start to get excited and my voice breaks, don't, you know, don't think anything about it. We'll be all right. Uh, we're in the middle of a series called The Vow. And in this series, we've been trying to prepare those who are not married uh, for a godly marriage, maybe one day in the future. And we've been trying to strengthen marriages that, that exist right now, your marriage, your relationship that you're in right now. And just to kind of recap really quickly, and I'm going to try to get through this fast this morning so we can get you out of here. And, but I believe God wants to speak something to us today. And in week one, we talked about the vow of priority. We said this, that God is my one. My spouse is my two. Come on, do you remember that if you were here? God is my one. My spouse is my two. In week two, last week, we talked about the vow of pursuit. The vow of pursuit, and we said, I promise to always pursue my two. So God is my one. My spouse is my two. And I promise to always pursue my two. And today I want to talk to you on this subject. I want to talk to you about this vow, the vow of partnership. So if you need a title to write it down, the vow of partnership. Now, how many of you, just by show of hands, if you're married, so if you're just if you're married in the room today, and I know we have a lot of single people and, uh, and all that, but if you're married today, how many of you married somebody that is different than you? <laughs> we got two hands in the back. <laughs> we got two hands and two feet. You married somebody, you married somebody, come on, you married somebody different <laughs> than you. And what's interesting is that when you're, when you're in the dating phase and you're getting to know somebody and you're excited about it, here's what people say. We're going to put this on the screen. Here's what people say, that opposites attract. So when you're, when you're dating, when you're going through, you're in a relationship and it's new and it's fresh and you think opposites attract. I love everything about him or her that, because they're just so different than me. That, you know, we just compliment each other. It's, it's incredible when we're going through the dating phase. Then when we get married, and this is what we say, Opposites attack. <laughs> so when you're dating and you're excited about the relationship and things are new and you're pursuing each other and and that person is, you know, they're in the forefront of your mind. It's like opposites attract. Ooh, I'm attracted to people that are different than me. I want something, you know, well, I'm this way and I want you to be this way or whatever. And then when you get married, the things that attracted you to that person begin to aggravate you about that person. And then you begin to attack each other because you're opposite. Well, why can't you be more like, you know, well, I like to do this. Why can't you like to do this? Well, I like to do that. Why can't you like to do that? And what we thought was such a great thing, well, opposites attract. Oh, it's just we compliment each other. All of a sudden, we start to think, well, I don't like them <laughs> because they're different than me. They don't want to watch the game with me. They don't, <laughs> don't want to watch the, the, the chick flick with me. They there's something different, you know, I don't like the way that they squeeze their toothpaste from the bottom instead of from the top, you know, and I've been used to this, and I don't know why, you know, he can't clean out the sink sometimes after he gets done shaving, and we're just so different, and in the beginning, it attracts us to each other, and then all of a sudden, it's something that we're attacking each other over. If you're married, think for just a moment about some of the areas where you and your spouse are different. Maybe you're driven, and they're laid back. 
Maybe you're an extrovert and they're an introvert. That's a lot of couples. Maybe you're a thinker and they're a doer. Maybe you enjoy small gifts and they don't see the point in small little, you know, I love you gifts. I don't know, I don't know what it is about you and your spouse or you and whoever you're with or whatever that makes, makes you different from them, but we can all probably think of something. And here's what I want you to know today, that two things, God uses, he wants to use our differences to strengthen our marriage and strengthen our relationships. So the things that, 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 is, that are different between me and my wife, God wants to use those things to strengthen our relationship. I have these strengths, you have these strengths, and so when they come together, we're, you know, we're, we, we can complement each other and strengthen our marriage. The enemy, or the devil, wants to use our differences to divide our marriage. And a lot of times, we're allowing him to do it. We're aggravated at the other person because they're not like us, or because they're getting on our nerves, or because whatever it is. I talked to a guy one time, and he said that his wife had the spiritual gift of leaving cabinet doors open. And he said, I go behind all the time, and I'm closing cabinet doors, closing cabinet doors. And he said, we used to get, you know, I'm like, I want everything just so-so. I want everything just right. And she, you know, doesn't care as much. And if the cabinet door is open, it's not that big of a deal. Or, what, you know, if the bed's not made, it's not that big of a deal. And he finally came to the conclusion that I'm just going to have to accept the fact that we're different and that we're meant to complement each other and that God wants to use it to strengthen our marriage instead of attacking each other over the little things that really don't matter in the end. Because what is it going to matter five years from now? And what is it going to matter 20 years from now? Some of the stuff that we argue about in our relationships isn't going to matter tomorrow. But we make such a big deal out of it in the moment. So in the vow of priority, we said our, our vow was God is my one, my spouse is my two. Then we went on and we said, I promise to always pursue my two. And here's the, the, the thing that we're going to go, the direction we're going today for the vow of partnership. This is the vow. I promise marriage will always be about we and not me. Come on, somebody. About three people said that's right. I promise that marriage will always be about we and not me. We and not me. Whenever we enter into a marriage relationship, my life is no longer about me. My life is now about we. And I think we, gotta, we, we, we have to get this today. And we've taken our first two vows from Genesis 2.24. We're going to look there again today. And this is what it says. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. In this way, two people become one. And if you go back and you look at the root word for, for joined, you would see that, that you could actually say, you know, some translations will translate it this way, that it's united or completely joined as one. It's united or completely joined as one. Now, I want to say this before we go any farther because we're about to talk about some, some things. And uh, I am fully aware today that some of what we're going to talk about may, may, you know, strike something in your heart. Or maybe you've been through something in your life or in a past relationship or whatever. And so I want you to know up front, I want you to hear the heart behind the message and not so much. Don't look at this as a condemning message because that's the way the enemy would want you to look at it. Is that when you hear something, you're like, I can't believe we're talking about that. I can't believe that he said that because does he not know that I've been through that? Does he not know that I've gone there before? Does he not know that, that that's in my past and I'm trying to get over it and I hadn't really made it yet or whatever? I want you to know that this is not about condemnation or guilt for things that have happened in the past. The, the, 
the heart behind the message is to build a foundation for God-honoring marriages in the future. So we're talking about from today forward. We're not talking about yesterday. We're not talking about last year. We're not talking about 10 years ago. We're talking about how can we have a God-honoring marriage from today moving forward. We can't change the past, but we have to be honest about what, what Jesus said. And this is, this is what Jesus said in Matthew 19. He was quoting Genesis 2.24 that we just read, and this is what he says. Jesus answered, Surely you have read this in the scriptures. When God made the world, he made people male and female. And God said, this, that is why a man will leave his father, here's our verse, is leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two people will become one. So they are no longer two, but one. God has joined them together so no one should separate them. God has joined them together so no one should separate them. What God has joined together, let no one separate. Maybe you've heard it quoted that way before. Or let no man separate. They're no longer two, but one. Come on, it's no longer about me. Now it's about we. It's no longer about me. Now it's about we. So how can we live this out for the next few moments? I want to try to help us out a little bit. How can we live this out in a world that is full of selfishness and full of divorce and full of, of issues and problems and things that that if we were to go around the room today, every one of us could share a story of something that we've been through in the past in a relationship or maybe in the relationship that we're in now, the marriage that we're in now. We've been through some things or whatever, and we can't change any of that. We can't change any of that. But from this moment forward, how can we, how can we live it out when, when we're living in a world of selfishness and divorce and pain? And first, I want to kind of build a foundation, and I think we have to talk about what marriage actually is before we can get into anything else. And so many people would say that, and maybe you've heard this, that marriage is just a piece of paper. You ever heard that before? Mar it's just a piece of paper. It's just a piece of paper. You know, it's not that big of a deal. You know, we sign something that says, you know, that, okay, we're going to get married, and it's just a piece of paper. Sometimes we hang it in our house or whatever. And we, we hear this all the time, and maybe you've even said this before, that, well, Marriage is it's simply a contract, and it's a piece of paper. And I would respond this way, and I want you to think about it, and just go here with me for just a moment. If marriage is just a piece of paper, then so is a $100 bill. But how many of us sitting in the room today would take a $100 bill out of our wallet and just toss it in the fire? It's just, just a piece of paper. Just a piece. You know what? Matter of fact, I'll, just, I'll throw three in there <laughs> because it's just a piece of paper. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to get everybody there with you, brother. <clears throat> if marriage is just a piece of paper, then so is a $100 bill. But why do we not throw a $100 bill in the fire or just throw it away? Because we see the value in $100 bill. We see the value in a $100 bill or a $20 bill or whatever you want to whatever you want have in your wallet. You see the value in it and you're going to make sure that it's there. That you didn't lose it, you lose your wallet, you're calling the store because there was money in the wallet, my card was in there, there was but if it's just paper, then why are we so worried about it? Because we see the value in it. So let me ask you this. If if why do we not see the value in marriage? Why is marriage just a piece of paper? Why is marriage just something that, well, if it doesn't work out, not that big of a deal. 
we can just go get it, take care, you know. If it's within so many days, we can just pretend like it never happened. And, you know, if it's later on down the road, then we'll just get a divorce and we can sign another piece of paper that says we're getting out of the deal that we agreed to in the beginning because it's just a piece of paper. Just a piece of paper. Marriage isn't a contract. Here's what marriage is. Marriage is actually a covenant. And there's a big difference between a contract and a covenant, and I want to talk about some of the differences between a contract and a covenant today. Here's, here's what a contract is. A contract is based on mutual distrust. So if marriage is a contract and just a piece of paper, then what we're saying is I'm signing this and you're signing this because I don't trust you and you don't trust me and we need something to just agree that you're going to hold up your end of the deal. That's what a contract is. Are you with me? If you have, we have people in our church that have rental properties. What do you do when you let somebody rent your house? You get a contract. And why do you get a contract? Because I don't trust you. I don't know if you're going to mess something up. I don't know if you're really going to pay me. I don't know if you're going to hold up your end of the deal. And so I want you to sign something, and I'm going to sign something that says, this is what I'm going to do for you, and this is what you're going to do for me. And we sign a contract so that we have a way to get rid of them. If they don't pay, I have a way to get rid of you. If you don't hold up your end of the deal, I have a way to get rid of you. And we look at marriage like this a lot of times. That, well, it's not really, you know, it's just a, there's, it's a, it, there's an easy way to get out. You know, it's not really that difficult. You just do this, this, we'll split everything. You know, I'll get the kids on the weekends or whatever. Because we look at it as a contract, but it's not actually a contract. It is a covenant. Here's what a contract says. A contract says, I'm in as far as you're in. I'm in, this, I'm in this relationship as far as you're in this relationship. So if you start to pull away a little bit, then I'm going to pull away a little bit. If you're not holding up your end of the deal, then, then I'm going to back off a little bit and make sure until you get things in order and get things right. And then when you start getting a little closer, you start trying a little harder, you start doing a little more for me, then I'll do a little more for you. And you do a little more for me, and I'll do a little more for you. Come on, it's, it's a contract. It says, I'm in as far as you are in. I'm in as far as you are in. A contract is based on mutual distrust. A covenant, though, is based on mutual commitment. A contract is based on mutual. We both don't trust each other, so we need to sign something to make sure that we're going to hold up our end of the deal. A covenant is based on mutual commitment. Here's what a covenant says. We're both in this 100% with everything that we are. And I don't care if you go through a week and I don't feel like you even like me anymore, I'm still 100% in. Because you backed off to 75% doesn't mean I back off to 75%. Because you're, because you're having, you know, you're, you're struggling with things or whatever, and, and, and maybe we've been arguing a little bit here lately or whatever the situation is, and we just don't feel like we're as close to each other, and so we're looking at it as, well, I'm only going to be in as far as they're in because I don't want to get hurt, and if they decide that they want out, then I don't want to be the one that gets hurt, and I want to be the one to actually hurt them so that I can be in the right, or so I think I'm in the right. And it's all based on mutual distrust, but a marriage is a covenant. It's a mutual commitment that I'm giving you 100% no matter what. No matter what. No matter what it looks like, no matter what we're going through, no matter what I feel like, come on, feelings. No matter what I feel like, I'm still 100% in on this deal. In the book of, I found this interesting as I was preparing this last week. The book of Leviticus, and many of you have not read the book of Leviticus, and I'm not going to have you read your, raise your hands because when you start reading the book of Leviticus, you're like one page in and you're just like, uh, next one. <laughs> next book. 
there's a lot of detail in the book of Leviticus, but I find this interesting that the Bible says that 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 life is in the blood, and so I, I heard this this last week that they would when they would when they would join together and they would get married back in those days that they would actually take something and they would cut their hand open. And so it would be like they would cut my hand open and they would cut Amanda's hand open and they would join our hands together because our lives were connecting. Because two were becoming one. And then they would wrap this they would wrap this stuff around it, almost signifying that there's nothing that can separate me from you. There's nothing that you can do, there's nothing that you can say. There's nothing that can ever arise or any problem that could ever come up that's going to separate me from you. Because our life is in the blood, and so they would join blood together as a symbol that we will not be separated. That this is forever. This is forever. Not until I don't like you anymore. Not until opposites that once attracted now begin to attack each other. That's, that's not what it is. That's a contract. A covenant says, you know what, we're joined together, and nobody and nothing is ever going to separate us. I'm going to say something uh, that may be a little blunt, but I believe it's what God would say to us today. And that's too many times, and remember, you got to, okay, the heart behind the message, okay? Heart behind the message. Everybody say it with me. Heart behind the message because some of you might you know this i don't know some of you somebody might like squirm in their seat or i don't know but too many times today here's what i think the problem is with relationship we we do married things before we're married okay and i'm not just talking about sex okay we do married things before we're married and here's here's what we'll do we get together, and I like you, and you like me, or maybe I love you, and you love me, and so we go ahead, and we move in together. I move all my stuff into your place, and all of these things happen, and we're, 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 we're together like we're married, but we're not married, and I'm not, the heart behind the message, hear me, because I'm not, I'm not condemning you today, but we do married things, and then whenever, you know, whenever something happens, and, and you, you say something that I don't like or that, that really offends me or I see you looking at somebody else and it offends me because you're not looking at me. And then we just decide, you know what, I'm going to take my stuff. You know, we bought a couch together. We bought a coffee table together. And you know what, you can have the couch. I'll take the coffee table and we'll just go our separate ways. I'll move my stuff out and we'll go our separate ways. And here's the, here's the problem. What we're doing is we're practicing marriage and divorce without actually being married and divorced. And so, and here's, here's where I'm going with this, heart behind the message. Here's what I'm saying. We do that, and if you do that long enough or do that enough times, what you practice, you start to live. And so then when you, then when you do find somebody and you're like, you know, this is the person, I'm going to marry them, and you get in a relationship, then you revert back to what you've always practiced doing. So when something happens and something gets tough, now you look at it as, well, I can just get out. And I'll take my stuff, you can take your stuff, we'll split this up, and we'll just go our separate ways because that's what I've always practiced. See, I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's that anybody ever wakes up and says, you know what, I want to get married, then I want to get divorced. But I think we've practiced that in our, in, our, in our lives one time, two times, three times, you know, relationships that just haven't worked out. And it's nothing condemning or to make you feel guilty about it. 
It's just the fact that what you practice becomes a habit. You practice something long enough, it becomes the way that you just kind of see things and your perspective on things and how you handle things. And, and we know this to be true in every area of our life. And then we revert back to when we get in marriage, then we revert back to what we've always done for so long in relationships because that's all we've ever known. That's all we've ever known. This is why we don't enter into a contract. We enter into a covenant. As long as we both shall live, no matter what happens. It's a covenant. Marriage is never 50-50 to make 100. It's never, well, if you give me 50%, I'll give you 50%. Together we'll make 100. Marriage is always 100% and 100% on both ends. And that's how you can have a successful Marriage marriage is never dividing everything in half. Marriage is giving everything you've got. Marriage isn't do unto others as you want them to do unto you. And this is, this is tricky because we read that verse and we think, well, do unto others as I would have them do unto you. And so, and we've walked through this with our kids some, you know, kind of the, how to understand this. It's like, well, they did that to me so I can do it to them because that's what, that's what Jesus said, <laughs> right? That's what God said. That's what the Bible says. But marriage isn't, marriage isn't do unto others. It's not me do unto you as I want you to do unto me. Here's what marriage is. Marriage is do unto others as Jesus has done unto you. Marriage isn't do to you what I want you to do to me, and if you do this to me, then I have permission to do this to you and all that. Marriage is I'm going to do unto you as Jesus has done for me. I'm going to live my life for you the way that Jesus lived his life for me. And if you think about a partnership for just a moment, even though two people may be partners of business or whatever else, they usually have different roles that they play in the partnership. You get two people together and they go into business together and they're partners on this deal. Usually one of them's strong in this area and one of them's strong in this area. And one of them will probably handle the, the finances and one of them will probably handle more of the business side of things. They usually have different roles. They're not usually trying to do the same thing on top of each other. It's, you know, this is, this is how, this is what you're gifted at, this is what I'm gifted at, and we got together, we started a business, and so we're just going to use our strengths to complement each other. And so, what is a covenant, covenant partnership about? And I want to summarize it in this one statement, we're going to talk about it for just a couple of minutes, and then we're going to get out of here today. But this is what I believe we can say. A covenant partnership is godly leadership and mutual submission. And one of our overseers who was here a few weeks ago, he talked about this in, I don't remember if it was that Sunday or if it was at the marriage conference, but he talked a little bit about this. But I want to touch on it again today. Now, sometimes we freak out when we hear the word submission, okay? Anybody, you know, like you got sweaty palms when you're just like, oh, submission, here we go. <laughs> here we go. We're going to talk about submitting, 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 submitting. But I want you to notice that I said mutual submission, mutual submission, and here's the reason why. In Ephesians, we like to use this verse, and, and we apply it, you know, sometimes how we want to apply it, but I think we need to apply the whole thing and not just the part that we want to apply for our relationship. But Paul starts off talking about marriage, and he actually begins with what? Submit to one another. So the first thing he comes out and says is you need to submit to each other. Mutual submission. Then he talks to the man, and he talks to the women. But first, you need, to, you need to know you need to submit to one another. 
Now let me, I want to get some some participation here because you're all looking at me. I know this is a heavy message today and some of you are like, I'll never come back to church again. But but here's what I want, here's what I want you to do. Uh, now most of the time we talked about, most of the time when we get married we're in a relationship, we're different, right? So if, in your relationship, there's probably somebody who's dominant and somebody who's passive. So can I see all the dominant? If, you're, if you would consider yourself dominant in your relationship, would you just raise your hand? You're the dominant person in the relationship. All right, now what about my passive people? <clears throat> all the passive people. If you're having to look at somebody and ask, am I dominant or passive? You're passive. <laughs> all the dominant people were like, yep. <laughs> That's me. That's me. Passive people were like, I don't know, am I passive? I don't know. That you're probably passive. <laughs> and you're different. You're different in these ways. A lot of times, one person is more dominant than the other person in the relationship. But in a marriage, we both submit to one another, whether we're more dominant or we're more passive. And this is this is tricky. This is tricky to talk about, and it's tricky to to understand. But Paul goes on, and and he he goes on to say that. Women are supposed to, you know, submit to their husbands, and this is the verse that we all just get, you know, everybody just throws their hands up and is like, oh, this is 2018, baby. There ain't no submitting going on around here, right? This is where we usually go with this verse, but I want to, but I want to, I want to try to wrap our minds around it just a little bit. And it also says that the husband is the leader of the family. So men, I'm a, I'm a man, if you didn't notice. So I want to take just a moment, and I want to talk to the men for a minute. So if you're a man in the room, right here, right here, we, men, we are, we are called to lead. It doesn't matter if you're dominant. It doesn't matter if you're more passive. It doesn't matter what your personality is. Your personality has nothing to do with God's calling on your life. Can I say that again? Your personality has nothing to do with God's calling on your life. It has nothing to do with your role to play in, in the marriage relationship. Men are called to lead. And let me tell you what leadership is not. Leadership is not making all the decisions. It's not making every single decision, well, if we got a decision that needs to be made, I'm the leader, I'm going to make the decision, and we're just going with that. That's not, that's not always the case. It's not, leadership is not defined as, well, I make all the decisions, so I'm the leader of the family. Leadership is setting the tone and the direction. Setting the tone and the direction. What is going to be the tone of our family? What is going to be the culture of our family? What is going to be the direction that our family is going? That's my job. My job is to set the culture, set the tone for what this, this relationship is going to look like, what this family is going to look like, the direction that we're going. We're going after God. You know, I love Joshua's verse. I have it, you know, in, on my desk, I think, somewhere, where he's talking about you can do whatever you want to do, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It's setting the tone and the direction for your family. Setting the tone and the direction, not about making all the decisions, it's, you know what, I'm going to set the tone. I'm going to set the temperature in the room. When I get up in the morning, I'm going to lead. And I'm going to lead by example, and I'm going to set the tone, and I'm going to set the direction, and this is the way we're going, and my family's going to be blessed, and we're going to have God's favor because we're following after him. That's what, that's what leadership is about. We lead with honor, and we lead with dignity, and we lead by, come on, catch this, serving first. Serving first. 
being the leader does not mean that you get everybody else to do everything for you all the time. Sometimes it's saying, you know what? I'm the leader. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be an example for you in this moment. My, my, my kids need an example, and so I'm going to be an example in this moment. We talked about it last week, you know, things that you're frustrated with your spouse about. You know what? I'm going to be the example. And after I'm, as I'm being the example, then God's going to work on them. I don't have to work on them. God will work on them. But I'm going to be the example. It's being a leader. It's serving first. And let me ask you this question, and we're winding down here in just a moment. But let me ask you this question, not to make you mad, but to just get you thinking. Okay? And this is for the men. Because women, here's what I believe. Women, women are called to, to, women have an incredible gift, right? They have the gift, there's discernment or whatever. You know, my wife, sometimes I'll have like a, what I think is the greatest idea ever. My wife's like, I don't know that that, and usually I'm going with her. <laughs> because no, there have been times when I haven't gone with that. And then I look back and I'm like, you know, if I'd have just listened. <laughs> when she was like, you know, I just don't have a good feeling about that. I don't know that that's the right direction. I don't know that that, maybe we need to pray about it just a little bit longer to make sure we're going in the right direction. So women have this gift, but women are also called to come, to come right with their husbands and support the husband in the leadership and the direction of the home and all of those things. But here's what I want to ask, and I'm going to put this on the screen. Here's what I want to ask all the men. Are you giving your wife something worthy of submitting to? Oh, <laughs> and when I got when I got this question, I was sitting at my desk and I'm preparing, you know, and I'm praying and typing and doing all this stuff, and and I got the, and it was like this question just all of a sudden hit me, and then I started applying it to my own life right there in the moment. And I'm like, I don't want to say that. <laughs> I don't want to ask that question. <laughs> but I believe this is this is. Are you giving your wife something worthy of submitting to? So. So her, her responsibility, maybe, she's, maybe she knows what her responsibility is and her role to play in the marriage and what God has, has called her to do. But are you giving, if you're leading your, your home and you're leading your, your wife and you're leading your family, are you giving your wife something worth submitting to? And if you can't answer that question with a yes, I know I am, then, then maybe today needs to be a crossroads for you to where you say, you know what, from this point forward, I'm going to lead the tone, I'm going to lead the direction of our family, we're going after God in our family, and I'm going to give my wife and my kids something that they can get behind and something that we can move forward and something that they can, they can submit to, something that is worthy of actually doing and moving forward with as a family. So are you, are you there's a couple men clapping, that's all right. <laughs> Are you giving your wife something worth submitting to? God created marriage to be a partnership. So let's come together and do what God created us to do. And I know at this point in the message, you know, there might be some of you, I don't know, hopefully not, but there might be some of you here that are thinking, you know, well, look at Pastor Gabe and look at his, you know, naive Pastor Gabe thinks that this is the way... This is the way the world works and marriage works. And what's he been married like a minute? And and look at, oh, this is their perfect relationship. And and their perfect kids. And, oh, everything's just so great all the time. And, and you know, I just don't know that I, when I leave here today, you know, that's really good. But I just don't know that I can really listen to naive little Pastor Gabe standing up there on the stage with his, everything perfect in his life. And here's what, here's what I would say in response to that, if that's you. Because I know that this is a this is a heavy topic, 
And the first two messages in this series was like, yeah, let's have a better marriage and let's do this. And God is my one and my spouse is my two. And yeah, I'm going pursue to my, pursue my two. I'm planning a date this week and we're going to do this. And it's like, oh, and it's supposed to be about we and not me. And, oh, okay. <laughs> but here's what, here's what I would say if I, could just, if I could just get in your business for just a moment. Just a moment and then I'll get out of it. I would bet, I would bet, and maybe not, but I would bet that our schedules as a family and what we do are probably just as busy as your schedule is. I would bet that the enemy attacks us just as much as he attacks you. I'm not perfect standing on this stage preaching this message. (laughs) I'm not exempt from from being tempted by the enemy, I would bet that that my flesh is just as vulnerable to temptation as yours is. I would bet that the things that you struggle with are probably the things that I struggle with. And when you're tempted to do something and you look up here and you're like, well, Gabe's just never tempted to do anything wrong and everything's just perfect and they got their little four kids and and everything's just going great. We We have hurt each other. We have let each other down. We have been through difficult situations. We've lost family members. We've been through all of that. Anything that you can probably think of in your relationship or in your family, we've probably been through the same thing because we're human just like you're human. I'm a man, a regular man, just like you're a regular man. And my wife is a regular woman just like you're a regular woman. And here's what I believe after all that is said and done. All the, you know times that we've hurt each other, we've said things we, did, we wish we wouldn't have said or done things we wish we wouldn't have done and struggles and, and losing you know, people and family members and all that hurt and pain and everything that we've been through. But I believe that we have a blessed marriage. I believe that even though we've been through all that stuff and even though it hadn't always been perfect, that we have a blessed marriage. And here's, here's the reason why I can say that this morning because Marriages that are blessed are blessed because two people work very, very hard at it. So if you're walking out of here today thinking, well, I just need to, you know, just change one thing and for the rest of my life our marriage is going to be great. We're never going to argue again. We're never going to have any problems again. That's not going to happen. Blessed marriages are marriages between two people that are working really, really hard (laughs) to have a blessed marriage. And they're being intentional every single day. To have a blessed marriage. And I hope this statement doesn't make you mad this morning, but but I'm just going to throw it out there, and you can write this down. Your marriage will be as good as both of you decide it will be. Your marriage will be as good as both of you decide it will be. My wife and I, our marriage is going to be as good as we decide our marriage is going to be. And your marriage is going to be as good as both of you decide it's going to be. And here's what it is. It's always work. And it's always a choice, and it's always putting God first, and it's always pursuing one another, and it's always making it about we instead of about me. And guess what? There will be days when you don't feel like it. There will be days when you don't feel like it. If you're not married yet and you want to be married one day, let me just tell you right now, there's going to be days where you don't feel like it. Well, I don't feel like working at it today. I don't feel like trying today. I don't, I'm still mad about what happened yesterday. And so I don't have the, my fit. But can I say this? We have, to, we have to learn how to get over our feelings. We have to learn how to get over our feelings. In what other area of your life 
can you get away with saying, I don't feel like it? And let me give you some examples. Well, I just, I don't feel like feeding the baby today. Well, try that for a couple of days. <laughs> I just don't feel like feeding my kids today. You know, two or three days go by, I just hadn't felt like it. I just hadn't felt like it. Well, let's see how that works out if you don't feel like it. Well, I, don't, I just don't feel like going to work today. Just, you know, I just don't, I just don't feel like going to work today. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe you're not, you don't like eating as much as I like to eat. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't, I just don't feel like it. What other, what other area of your life can you get away with saying, I just don't feel like it and just not doing it? And things work out for you, for the better. Well, I don't feel like paying taxes. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> well, I hope you don't mind going to prison. <laughs> I want to bring the worship team back up. I don't feel like it. Well, I don't. I just don't feel like it today. I don't feel like it today. I don't feel like it today. If I could just be, if I could just be bold. I know I've been semi-bold. I hadn't been as bold as what I could have been, but I've been pretty bold today in some of the statements that I've made. But we've got to learn to get over our feelings, because if your feelings are running your life and running your marriage then you're going to end up somewhere you don't want to end up. You're going to look back five years from now and think, what happened? Fifteen years from now, what in the world happened? I don't know where, I don't know where, what happened in the relationship. I don't know where everything went wrong. Sometimes we just have to get over our feelings because your marriage is not measured by your feelings. It's measured by a commitment. It's not measured by your feelings. It's measured by a commitment. And feelings will follow commitment if you stay committed. Your feelings will follow your commitment if you'll stay committed. Your feelings will follow your commitment if you'll stay committed. It's a commitment. Maybe you've said this before. You're feeling that, you know, you just fell out of love. And we're just, we're just addressing a little bit of everything today. You know, you've made the statement or you've heard somebody may say, well, we just fell out of love just fell out of love. We just fell out of love and that's why we ended it. We just fell out of love and that's why we're going our separate ways. We just fell out of love. We fell out of love. We fell out of love. And can I say this? And maybe you want to write this down and post it somewhere. I don't know. But getting divorced because you ran out of love is like selling your car because you ran out of gas. <clears throat> well, we just fell out of love, so we're going to get divorced. Getting divorced because you ran out of love is like selling your car because you ran out of gas. Who does that? Well, it's on E again. We better just sell it, get a new one. They'll fill it up at the you know car dealership. When that's gone, we'll just sell that one and get a new one. We don't we don't do this with anything else in our lives. That's the point I'm trying to make. In what other area of your life do you just give up because you ran out of something? Or, you know, thing, something got a little tougher. Or, you know, you sell your car because you ran out of gas. We don't do that. What do you do when you ran out of gas? You fill it back up. When you run out of gas in your vehicle, you fill it back up. So what do you do when you run out of love? Fill it back up. Fill it back up. You can fill it back up. If you're sitting here today and you're thinking, well, we're just not in love like we used to be, and we just fell out of love, or we're just out of love, or I just don't know if I could ever feel the way that I felt before about him or about her. I don't know if I'll ever get there. 
when, when you run out of love, you fill it back up because marriage is not about our feelings. Marriage is mutually submitting to one another and leading toward a common vision. And what could happen in your marriage if you decided to treat marriage as a covenant or as a partnership? What could happen in your marriage or in your relationship if you made the relationship about we instead of about me? What could, what could happen if you, made, if you made the decision today that from this point forward, I can't change what happened yesterday. I can't change what I've been through. I can't change where we've come from. Uh, we can't change any of that. But what if from this moment forward you said, you know what, from today moving forward, my marriage is going to be about we and not about me. And whatever I have to do to get myself to a place where it's, you know, you're going to catch yourself in moments like doing selfish things and it's like, oh, I'm making it about me again. It's supposed to be about we. Oh, I'm, I'm doing that me thing again. It needs to be about we. But what, what, could our, what can our marriages and our relationships look like if we did this? If we always made it about we instead of about me. Will you stand to your feet today? Here in just a moment, we're going to sing one final worship song. And then we'll leave today and everybody will go their separate ways. But my prayer is I hope you don't leave today offended or upset or mad about something or feeling condemned or feeling guilty about something that happened to you way back when or happened just last week or decision that you made that now you regret. That's, that's not what today is about. Today's not about condemnation and guilt and, well, if I hadn't done this and if he hadn't done that and if we hadn't done this and all this, that's, it's all in the past. It's all in the past. But for, from today forward, you can make your marriage about we and not about me. It can be about we and not about me. God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for what you're doing and what you're speaking to us in our hearts and our lives. God, I pray today that if there's any person here who needs prayer for anything in their life, whether it's something we've talked about today or something completely separate, God, that they would give us the opportunity to pray with them. And God, if we, if we don't need prayer for anything today, Lord, I pray that we would worship you this one final time, this final song, that we would give you everything that we have in our relationship with you, that we would give you 100% everything that we have today as we worship you before we leave today. And God, I thank you for what you are doing in our hearts and our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen.